This is a Radio 191 FM podcast. Cut out the bureaucrats and talk directly to the manager. Squawking with Hawkins. All right. At the muddy, Aaron, how we doing? Oh, I didn't turn you up. There you go. Oh, what? Are you there? I am. Sorry. <laughs> it's a Thursday morning. Uh, no excuse. Uh, but Atta Maria, how you doing? I'm very good, thank you. Marvellous, marvellous. Right, big news out from the government yesterday. The 200-page national adaption plan for climate change was released, uh, covering the next six years. Have you read it all? Did you spend yesterday reading uh, no, 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 I haven't had a chance to read it all since it came out. Uh, yesterday, <laughs> but uh, have um, uh, have been able to get familiar with the uh, the, the high level summary and, and, and the way that it is uh, structured. It's not a huge departure from the draft uh, that we were actively involved in uh, making submissions on. But uh, great to see it to see it released. Um, when you're thinking about things like this and uh, the emissions reduction plan, which is going through select committee at the, at the moment, and we're submitting on that today. And, the, and the, the zero carbon act that went before that; these are all uh, significant um, pieces of architecture, if you like, uh, in terms of our climate response. Uh, and now the focus needs to be on getting on with it. Yeah, I mean, this is a, you know, it's a national framework, but does it get quite mm-hmm. localized within it, or does that come later? Yeah, it is. I mean, it is obviously a, a, a national. Uh, document and there will be uh, work being done, uh, particularly by by NIWA, uh, from memory, looking at uh, more localised uh, projections, and, and we have seen uh, more local data sets around uh, subsidence and, and sea level rise uh, that came out uh, a few few months back, and, and thankfully, or, or largely, that was consistent in Dunedin, at least with what we were anticipating. Other places. Uh, it was um, uh, far more uh, significant than they were uh, than they were anticipating. But uh, the yeah the the, the big question is uh, how does it support uh, the the work we are doing locally and 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 our local response, whether that's the the coastal plan, St Clair St Kilda, or the wider South Indian Future Program, uh, which isn't the only low lying or affected uh, population. You know we we have mm. other uh, other parts of the city. Um, whether it's Harwood or or Aramoana or or uh, or floodplains uh, on the Tyre that are that are affected by these issues, how do we uh, how do we support those communities in, in our long term decision making? And the the missing bit really uh, is the the Climate uh, Adaptation Act, which is one of three uh, pieces of legislation or um, or law. Uh, that will replace the Resource Management Act, and that won't be introduced into Parliament at all uh, late next year. And, and that is the, the the piece of law that will deal with, you know, how do we make those sorts of decisions, and what power do local authorities have to make decisions around where it is appropriate for development uh, to occur in the context of a uh, changing climate. So until we see uh, the drafting of that. Uh, legislation. It's hard to it's hard to know um, uh, what the the tools will be that we will have. Um, mm. You know, as you say, this is the, the first of, of of many. Both the emissions reduction plan and the national adaptation plan will uh, be uh, reviewed on an ongoing uh, basis. But it's uh, it's a, it's a useful 
framework and a, and a good start. Plenty of a debate still to be had about um, who pays what and, you know, that Spider-Man circular firing squad meme. There's a lot of you know, people, <laughs> everyone's pointing at each other about who's going to pick up the tab, whether yeah. it's local government or central government or uh, or private interests. Um, and the reality is it will be all of those, um, but we haven't uh, had the discussion yet about, you know, how that shakes down. Yeah, it's gonna be it's it's gonna be so interesting when the like you know when they sort out who gets to do what with what you know when that resource management act is changed and that uh, you know as you're talking before uh, the the other piece of legislations that are coming in because uh, all councils are different we're all different de- you know you're all dealing with different situations um, you know Dunedin's situation is unique to Dunedin and the same could be said for as you've said Petone and and and, and other areas but you also got to deal with the people that uh, have been elected to represent um, and how and and their specific feelings on things you know all councils are the same as well um, so uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not posing a question here. I'm just going to see that it's quite interesting because there are some climate sceptic councils out there. Um, well, it's, it, it's. I'll give you a concrete example. So, uh, one of the things we know is that um, people get nervous about uh, climate-related or natural hazards in general, um, but particularly climate-related ones uh, because of the impact it may have on the value of their property. Mm. And so there was a, a famous um, uh, um, case in, in the Kapiti Coast where the council wanted to put on the limbs of those affected properties the climate hazards and the the, um, the good burgers of the coast um, fought the council and won. And so, you know, so as a result of that, it spooked a lot of territorial authorities who want to do the right thing. They want to disclose uh, that kind of information to prospective uh, purchasers, but were very nervous about the, the implications of that and the cost of being dragged through the court. So one of the things that is being uh, dealt with specifically uh, through the um, the government's adaptation response is uh, empowering um, local authorities to be able to list uh, climate-related hazards um, if not quiet, uh, on on limbs, and so you know, people go in with their eyes open about uh, what they can expect, or for how long they can expect the uh, the property that they're living in uh, to uh, to hold its value, uh, yeah. so to speak. And so, th- those are things that are um, universally useful, regardless of the 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 nuance of any of our individual circumstances. And I guess that that also includes force acquisition. Of property, right? Uh, we don't. Well, there are there are a number of ways of having having that discussion. The legislation will deal with uh, how how uh, how we work through things like managed retreat in some areas. Uh, and and I think and I've said this often. I think in an area like the flat uh, here in, in in South Dunedin, the two most dangerous ideas are that. Nobody will ever have to move from there, or everyone will have to move yeah. from there because it's obviously a far more, um, uh, far more granular, as we say, uh, picture than that. But but it's it's important to be able to have the the frameworks in place and the and the and the legislative tools to be able to have those uh, conversations with your community, and, and we're already doing that. I mean, that is the part of the um, uh, part of the the South Dunedin. 
a future program, but anything that the government can offer, either through um, legislation or funding or whatever, uh, is, is certainly helpful. I'm glad you brought up conversations there because you and uh, Jim up in Queenstown might be having a conversation soon with the ORC uh, around the governance of public transport in the city. Um, one thing <laughs> one thing that I've always wondered about that is, um, I mean, right now we've got um, the bus services have been subsidised uh, by uh, the government. The cost is a dollar. It's wonderful. It's really great for me, although the reduced services in the morning aren't great for me at the moment, but such is life, and those things hopefully change soon. Um, but, um, you know, that's one subsidy for public transport. There are other costs that are absorbed, um, and the ORC does absorb cost to running this public transport service. Um, so what happens with, is that cost now spread without the ORC region? And if it is, um, you know, if the service is taken up by the DCC, does that mean that that cost will just be burdened by the ratepayers here? Oh, I see what you mean. So, so broadly speaking, the bus service is funded three ways. Um, through the government, it was funded by Waka Kotahi as part of the, the transport network. Uh, it is funded by... Uh, by rate payers by way of a targeted rate, yep. so uh, only um, it's it's charged to households who live in an area that is serviced by public transport. Okay. Is cool. Broadly, how it works, and uh, and thirdly, by uh, people paying um, an ever diminishing amount to to get on to get on board the bus. So, and and that makes sense for it to be. I mean, a lot of the things, a lot of the situations we end up in are because we've got laws that are written to make sense in Wellington and then they don't necessarily translate. So in Wellington and in pre-super city Auckland, where you had a public transport network that crossed many different council boundaries, it made absolute sense for it to sit with the regional council because they governed that entire uh, area and you're never going to get all seven councils to agree on things necessarily. And that's a really bad way of running a network. Here in Otago, we had two bus services um, wholly contained within Queenstown Lakes and Dunedin, and so that regional connection argument uh, doesn't hold. But were we to uh, to be able to transfer the service to it being a city council run, um, yeah, that that would come off everybody's regional council uh, rates, those who are, who are charged, uh, and would be funded um, by the city, but through a combination of uh, general rates and, and, and targeted rates, and that would be a a debate that we would need to have about you know, to what degree we think it's a public good uh, and to what we degree we think it's a private good in, in the same way that we do with Moana pool fees or you know, we, 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 we deny every trip to the swimming pool because we acknowledge that it's a public good for people to be able to have access to that but we're a long way off yes. uh, having that debate yeah. uh, given that uh, we, we can't you know, three months after our last uh, attempt I still can't um, get the the regional council to set a timetable for when we might be able to meet and discuss uh, compromise options. You know, we would prefer to, to run it, but if, if they want to put up alternatives that give our communities a greater degree of direct influence in, in public transport decisions, then let's hear them. But, um, you know, it's been crickets so far. Yeah. It has been crickets. Um, and then I just want to point out to listeners that Otipoti was the first super city in the country.
1993. Yeah, 1989. We were oh, the territorial right. authority by land area until 2010. That's right. All the way past middle March. Oh, oh man, I've been practicing this one for years, talking about it. Uh, more than I have the tip. Um, now, you go, it's, like, it's quite something when you're on the Central Otago <laughs> Rail Trail with out-of-town visitors and you get to hide. Yeah. And there's a big sign that says, Welcome to Dunedin. <laughs> yeah. It's always cracked me up. Um, just quickly, uh, we've had wild weather that's amazing. Um, how's the pipe upgrade work go- coming along? Is that on track? Has there been delays with that? Is everything, you know, humming along? Just a wee update. I don't know if I would describe the weather as amazing. No, um, I mean, amazing can be bad, too. <laughs> like, it was it's crazy. Been, yeah, it's, been, it's been significant. Um, uh, and, and, and look, the, the, the trouble with heavy rain events is that it's impossible to compare them because. You know, it depends which way the wind's blowing and, and where the rain is falling slightly and last week because it wasn't really falling on the flat um, and and had it been that would have been a very different story but certainly the the investment that we've that we're putting into upgrading the capacity of the stormwater systems uh, and and the the money that the regional council have spent on flood protection particularly through uh, the university campus uh, was worth every cent. Uh, last week, when we yeah. were dealing with uh, with events there, and and we've got a, a significant um, pr- uh, program over the current ten year plan. I think a capital budget is about one point five billion dollars. Close to a billion dollars of that is fixing infrastructure and replacing pipes and doing that kind of work. And so uh, that will um, that will continue to uh, to to roll out, but it's it's, it's not going to ever fix the fact that increasingly we're going to see intense periods of uh, of rain um, and uh, as, as, a, as our climate changes and we need to be prepared for that. We can take the edge off it, um, but I don't think we're ever going to build a, a, a water network that will remove the risk of flood events. Yep, yep. Um, right, well, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much for joining us, Aaron. I'm going to play a track from Two Cartoons. I know they're one of your favourite bands. Um, so, yeah, thank Take you. Thank you back. <laughs> thank you so much for your time. Have a wonderful day, and we'll talk again soon. You too. Thanks for listening to a Radio 191 FM podcast. There are heaps more at r1.co.nz.